This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, thank you. Good morning. It's good to see you all here on a Sunday morning. I welcome every one of you. Bless you if you need a Bible once you get your hands up. Ushers would gladly put the Word of God in your hands. And we'll begin in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, we're on a series here, more of God, that God has more for every one of us. And so for the last several weeks, the more that we need to get us to the promised land is the things of the Spirit of God. So we'll talk about that this morning. Again, you're going to 2 Corinthians 3. You know, in our society, it's apparent that we've declined spiritually. But the alarming thing is we've declined more within the church spiritually than anywhere else. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, so what do we emphasize or what do we not emphasize? So those are some of the things we'll talk about this morning. A verse that I just want to quote to get us going is the book of Zechariah. The prophet Zechariah said in 4 and 6, he said, my, not my people perish, but he said that it's not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of God. So when we look at that, the phrase might and power it has, to agree, it has to do with several areas. Number one, it's not by wealth, the power of wealth. It's not by valor. It's not by an army. It's not by strength or stamina. It's not by brains or talents, but he said it's by the Spirit of God. So again, is the Spirit of God an area of the church that we haven't emphasized? I believe it is. And so where the Holy Spirit goes to work, he goes to work in the classroom of our heart. So what I want you to see today is this, that the Holy Spirit will do an inside job when we allow Him. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 4. And we have such trust through Christ toward God. We can have trust through Christ toward God. A reliance, a confidence. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves, to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency, our ability, or our power comes from God. Now again, I think this is where we get in trouble at times, because when we start viewing our sufficiency as for us, he says it's not from us, it's from God. And so many times our sufficiency nowadays is in social media. It's a selfie-centered world. So if all my focus is on me, then it can't be on God, and when my sufficiency comes from me, I'm going to tell you right now, we're all going to fail. We're not going to make it. We're not going to fulfill what God desires for us. Verse number 6. Who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. Who does? God does. Not of the letter, the written codes, or the written law, but of the Spirit. Why? For the letter kills. The written letter of the Word of God, it, it kills. Why does it kill? Well, the Word of God, it tells us what we need to be or what to do, but it doesn't give us the power to do it. And so the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And so to a degree, this is where we've gotten in trouble, I believe, we can preach the Word of God to people, but if we don't tell them it's through the power of the Holy Spirit, we set people up to fail. And I say we because I've done that. 
And so what happens is when you only have the Word of God without the Spirit of God, you have truth but no power. But where you have the Spirit of God and no Word, you have power without the truth. So when you begin to see what he says there, there's a a thing through the Word of God and through the Spirit of God, they complement each other. So what the Holy Spirit does, he uses the Word of God. He uses the very thing that Jesus died for us, and he begins to work them in us. He begins to be the helper. And so again, you begin to see what the Apostle Paul's getting over here. Now to show you biblically how the Word of God and the Spirit of God complement each other, go to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Now as you're turning there, in Ephesians 6 verses uh, 10 through 18, he talks about the armor of God. And I encourage you to read all that because it's very important And in verse 11 and in verse 13, in both of those uh, verses, he said, put on the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God. In other words, you're going to need all the armor you can get. But I'm just going to highlight one of them specifically today, and that's verse 17, Ephesians 6, verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and, now I want you to see the and here. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, could be stated, the sword which the Spirit of God uses is the Word of God. Now, I really like it when you read it in the Amplified. It says, the sword that the Spirit wields, W-I-E-L-D-S. That word wills means empowers. So the Spirit of God uses the Word of God to empower us. He uses the Word of God to help us. And so what he does is when we begin to hear the Word of God, he comes on the inside of us and he begins to mold us and he begins to shape us in that area. This is part of my armor. Now if you want to see your life changed, not only get the Word of God, but ask the Holy Spirit to come in and help me to live by the Word of God. Who work in me. Now, this is just a little side note. Verse 18 talks about prayer. You want to enhance your prayer life? Incorporate the Holy Spirit in it. And it'll it'll enhance it, I promise you. Now, what we're going to do here for a little bit this morning, we're going to go to the book of Romans chapter 7. And Romans chapter 8 will be in those two chapters. What we're going to do is we're going to look at some areas of the apostle Paul identified as weaknesses in his life But when I read this, it's going to identify every one of us in here, okay? And I want to show you this. We're we're not different. We get caught up in the same things. We have the same struggles. We all struggle in areas. They just may look a little differently. Now, now let the the Scriptures teach us here. Romans chapter 7, begin in verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual. The law will enlighten you. And this is what he says immediately. He doesn't knock the word of God. He he says that that, that the, the, the word is enlightening. It's spiritual. So it's good for the my spirit, my inner man, the real me. But I am carnal. 
I am carnal. Now, if you were here the last few weeks, remember the word carnal means flesh. You're dominated by the outside. Now, it's interesting here, the Apostle Paul said, I'm carnal. Even though that, that the word of the God is spiritual, I'm carnal. And he ends this verse and says, and I am sold under sin. I am a slave to sin. I'm controlled and dominated by sin. In other words, you begin to see within him, there's a conflict within the apostle Paul. A tug of war. The law of physics says this, that anything in motion causes friction. That's the same way with us. This tug of war on the inside. There's a side of me that wants to be spiritual, and there's a side that I'm carnal. Yes. I can bear witness to that. Verse 15. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate, that's what I do. How many of you have ever been there? We're very similar, I'm telling you. So now we go back to something, and he said, what I want to do, I don't do. So what did he want to do? I believe he's saying right there, I want to obey the Scriptures. I have knowledge of what the Scriptures say, but it shows me right there, just because you have knowledge, if you're trying to do it out of your own abilities, you're not going to make it. That's what he's saying. I've got the letter. I understand what the Bible says. I'm just not fulfilling it. Verse 16. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. Now think about what he said about the law. He said, number one, it was spiritual. And now he says the law is good. The word of God is good for every one of us. But I can't obey it and I can't fulfill it out of self. Self-determination. Self-willpower. Self-strength. How many of you have ever buckled down before and said, you know what, I'm never going to do that again. And 30 minutes later, I do it again. This is what he's talking about. Verse 17. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Now this is the Apostle Paul talking. And so to a degree, you know what he's telling us? Don't ever underestimate the power of sin. Why do I say that? Because the wages of sin is death. And so to a degree, he said, man, I don't want to live this death-like existence. Verse 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. In our flesh, nothing good dwells in it. For the will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. I can't perform it. Now, when you look at this right here, the Amplified says in a way that will really make sense to you. Listen to this. I can't perform it. I have the intention or the urge to do what's right, but I have no power to carry it out. So the Apostle Paul said, I'm in this dilemma. I'm in this tug of war. I want to do what's right, but my flesh continues to pull me to do what's wrong. Verse 19. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that's what I practice. 
Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. So he's saying right there, the sin overrides everything. I'm, I'm yielding to sin day by day by day by day. Verse 21. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do no good. The New Living says this way. I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what's right, I inevitably do what's wrong. That's me. The message says it happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. And so I begin to read this and I begin to look and I think, this was the Apostle Paul. He couldn't gain victory over his own flesh and so to a degree, that's the same problem that many professing Christians have. I want to do what's right, but I, I can't. I find myself doing wrong even though I do want to do what's right. Now, he tells us all this, but he doesn't stop there, okay? He's giving, getting ready to give us the means by which we can walk in victory. Chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now, not when I get to heaven... But right now, no condemnation. That word condemnation means guilt or wrong. Isn't it interesting that he says, I don't have to live with the sense of guilt of wrong right now. now. I don't need to ask you to show hands here, but I want you to think about this. Do you live with the sense of guilt of wrong? I have. I'll raise my hand. I have. A sense of failure. A sense of not being adequate. But he said there is therefore now no condemnation. So who's he writing that to? We'll keep reading. To those who are in Christ Jesus. So he's just told us right here that if you're born again and you've given your heart to Christ Jesus, then I don't have to walk in that area of guilt or condemnation. Now let me ask you something. How'd you give your heart to Jesus? You said in a prayer with the word of your mouth, Lord Jesus, come into my life and be Lord of my life. You received him. Did you have to do anything? No. The only thing I had to do was repent of my sins and ask him to come into my heart. Now, you got to remember that right there, okay? Because it's going to come into play throughout this morning. The same way you receive uh, salvation is the same way you receive forgiveness. It's the same way you receive the Holy Spirit also. So he says here, to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now watch how he ends this verse. Who do not walk according to the flesh. They don't allow the flesh to dictate how I'm going to live. But according to the Spirit. So you know what he says right there? I'm going to put my Spirit within you. And he's going to come in and he's going to help you. He's going to change you. Verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So was he telling me there's a certain type of law that takes place in the life of Christ Jesus? I believe that's what he's saying. And he goes on to say, has made me free from the law of sin and death. 
That statement there, made free, it says to those who are in Christ Jesus, He's liberated them, He's, he's separated them, He's acquitted them. It's used excu- exclusively for Jesus setting believers in freedom from the dominion of sin. So guess what He la- labels here? He said, there's two, ju- there's two laws at work. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus and the law of the spirit of sin and death. Now I can tell you, that first law, it trumps that second law. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is greater than the law of sin and death. Now think about the word law. When we know something's a law, we choose to obey it or disobey it. So when I begin to see what Jesus died for me, and I say, Lord, I want to obey that, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus will begin to work in me. It will begin to work in you, but to the degree it works is to the degree I yield or obey. So again, he's saying right here, I'm going to put this law of life in Christ Jesus in, but it's going to be through the Holy Spirit. He's going to help you to live Christ-like. Now this is the Apostle Paul telling us. Keep reading, verse 3. For what the law could not do, now think about this, what the letter could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. So God did by sending his own son in the likeness of the sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So guess what he does here? He says, I'll send Jesus and take your place. I'll send Jesus and because of his blood, it'll be for the remission of sin. So we say, I know that. I know what the Bible says. Now watch how he implements it in verse 4. That the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So you know what he's just told me here? The more I surrender to the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the Holy Spirit's going to come on the inside of you. And he'll begin to work in you. And he'll begin to change you from the inside out. And I can tell you in my life, this happened to me right here. I begin to see the Word of God. And when I begin to look at what the Word of God would do, the Holy Spirit would go to work on the inside of me. He would begin to take what Christ Jesus died. And the more I'd say, okay, Holy Spirit worked that on the inside of me. Make me an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb. Now, he doesn't end here. Same chapter. Look at verse number 14. Look at verse 12 first. Therefore, brethren, fellow believers, we are not debtors or we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. You'll live a death-like existence when you allow your flesh to run crazy. Now watch this. And this is one you got to highlight here. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now what he's doing here is he's telling us how it takes place. And Paul reminds us that it's only by the Spirit... That is by the Holy Spirit's power that we can succeed. Now, highlight it again with me. Look real close. 
But if by the Spirit, but if by the Holy Spirit, now if you'll think right here, He doesn't give us any other uh, person, any other way. But if by the Holy Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So you know what He's telling you? The Holy Spirit's going to go to the work on the inside of you. But you're going to be the one that puts it to death. And so what happens? He comes on the inside of you and he starts working in you. And he begins to put the things of God in you. And he begins to empower you. Where you're able to say, okay, through the Spirit of God, I got strength and I got power. Now, this was the Apostle Paul. This was the guy who who wrote the majority of the New Testament. And guess what? The same uh, appetites of the flesh he had, we had very similar. And so the same conflict he was in, that's how many of us are. Now he says in, in Romans 8, 14, he says, Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. You know what that literally means? The ones who yield and surrender to the Holy Spirit. So what he begins to do on the inside, he begins to convict our hearts. He begins to kind of like scratch your heart before you're on the verge of sinning, before you're on the verge of of allowing your flesh to really act up. He begins to work on the inside of you. And when you yield to that, great things happen. But if I resist him and I keep resisting him, I grieve him or I quench him. And so what does that do? That breaks the fellowship. So the Holy Spirit wants to go to work in every one of us. Now when I look at all this, I have to put myself in the story over and over and over again. This is the area that I failed to teach. I've taught the Word and I've taught the Word, but I haven't emphasized the Holy Spirit like I'm supposed to. So guess what I've done? To a degree, I've caused many of you to walk in failure because I didn't get out and I didn't stress the significance of the Holy Spirit. Even though I knew in my own life, that's how I begin to walk in victory. And so I go back years in my life and I had all that problem with alcohol. But I begin to see the scriptures that said, God's delivered you out of the power of darkness. So if I read that, I can stand and I can say, God's delivered me out of the power of darkness. God's delivered. Is that true? That's true. But if I try to, get to achieve that deliverance out of my own abilities, it won't happen. And so the area I failed to tell people about is, you've got to turn that over to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, go to work in me. The very things that Jesus died. And so he began to work in me in those areas. Now let me say this. When you see those who are led by the Spirit of God, it's a continuous process that you'll continually have to battle your flesh through the power of the Holy Spirit. But the more I yield to him, the more I get victory. And so that's what began to take place in my life. Now, I can take you with illustrations that took place in my life for years because I got a flesh just like you. You may have been dominated by different areas of your flesh than me, but we all still have areas that we were dominated. I remember years ago when I would play golf, I'd get real mad. I'd get real angry. 
And I would do stuff that showed the flesh was still in, tro- in control of me, even though I'd given my heart to Jesus. So here's the thing. Just because you've given your heart to Jesus doesn't mean, bang, life's wonderful. Even in your marriage, just because your husband gave you his life to Jesus doesn't mean you got Prince Charming right now. Dang, that'd be great, wouldn't it? We'd be sending our husbands and wife to the altar every Sunday. You need to get born again. You straighten up. See, again, it's an inside job. He works in the classroom of our hearts. Let me ask you this. When you got born again, how many of you outwardly changed? In other words, you get a full set of hair? Just shed about 50 pounds? That'd be great. But when I got born again, it goes to work on the inside. And so that's exactly what happens with the Holy Spirit. So in my life, I'd get mad playing that stinking game called golf. You can raise your hands on this if you've ever done this. How many of you have ever played golf and thrown a golf club? Thank you for your honesty. I've done it. I've done it. How many of you have ever had to go up in a tree and get a golf club? I've done it. Thank you. I see a couple hands. See, you guys still got a flesh just like me. Even though I was born again, I'd act that way. Over a stupid golf shot, hit a bat and just... Here's another one. Here's a better one for you. How many of you ever broke a golf club? And when you did it, people were looking at you like, what type of stupid are you? I'm not going to tell you who this was. I was around a guy recently and he broke a golf club. I loved it. I rolled out of the cart. I laughed so hard. I was like, I'm not going to tell you who it was. It's my brother. <laughs> See, again, that's how our flesh. Now, I can say this. Even in that area, there's times in my life when I play golf that I want to throw a golf club. I hadn't done that in years, okay? The Holy Spirit began to work in me. And I would sense him at times just with that sweet love. and said, don't do that. Don't act that way. I remember in my young age as being married, you know what I would do? I would rather win the battle than lose the war. How do you win the battle and lose the war? I would yak, 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 yak. I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. And then I'd lose the war. You know what the Holy Spirit began to do with me? He began to restrain me and say, keep your mouth shut. I don't know if this has ever happened. I've sensed the Holy Spirit tell me, be quiet. Be quiet. Be quiet. So again, what begins to happen is what he begins to talk about here. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. So even in the area of your flesh, and every one of us have a flesh. So when I begin to invite the Holy Spirit in me to incorporate and help me to obey the Word of God, he'll do it. But we've tried to obey the Word of God without the Holy Spirit. I can't do it. And I don't understand when we talk about the Holy Spirit. There's two categories within the church. When we say the Holy Spirit, there'll be ones who'll say the Holy who? Because we haven't emphasized the Holy Spirit. Or there'll be other ones when I say the Holy Spirit. They'll start getting underneath the chairs and thinking, Pastor's getting ready to go charismatic on us. He's going to go crazy on us. He's going to do something crazy and weird. 
But it's amazing to me how the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit. Now we ought to be comfortable with the Holy Spirit. That it ought to be one of our greatest prayers. On, Oh, Holy Spirit, I welcome you. So if the Apostle Paul had his flesh, and the only way he got over that was through the Holy Spirit, what about me and you? Now here's a great question for you. What do you think would have happened to the apostles without the Holy Spirit? What do you think would have happened to Peter if he wouldn't have got filled with the Holy Spirit? Now let me just tell you something, and this verse will bear witness with this. This will go to work in you. This is Acts 10, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went about doing good and healing all those that were oppressed of the devil. So what does that scripture say to me? When Jesus was here on the earth, he operated in the power of the Holy Spirit. If Jesus needed the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and Paul needed the anointing of the Holy Spirit, then why do we have the thought we don't need him? Yeah, go ahead and clap for that. Wow. And so, so much of this goes back to what we haven't been taught, or if we've been taught, man, people get filled with the Holy Spirit, they do crazy stuff. Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit doesn't do crazy stuff. People do crazy stuff. The Holy Spirit's a perfect gentleman, okay? I got one more passage I got to take you to this morning. Go with me to the book of Ephesians. Back to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. And as you're turning there, the Lord Jesus said in John 16, I encourage you to read the book of John chapter 16. It's loaded with stuff on the Holy Spirit. But the Lord Jesus said in, in uh, John 16 verse 13, He said, and I'm going to send you the Spirit of truth. He called the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth. And you know what he said about the Holy Spirit? He'll guide you in all the truth. Now, I'm not a hunter, but I know people that do hunt and fish, and sometimes they hire guides. Why do they hire a guide? Because the guide will take them where they're supposed to go and where they're not supposed to go. He'll tell them what they're supposed to do and what they're not supposed to do. And isn't it interesting that the Lord said, I'm going to give you the spirit of truth who will guide you into all the truth. Wow, how can I, I not ask the Holy Spirit to come? How can I not welcome Him? Now what we're going to do here, we're going to shift gears a little bit because I'm going to show you another area that I believe the Holy Spirit wants to breathe into every one of us today. Uh, Ephesians 3 verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What reason? Keep reading. From whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So he said, man, I, I, I bow my knees to Father God of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because the whole family is named in heaven and on earth. So you know what he's telling us? Man, you ones who got family members that are in heaven... You'll see him again. Those who are in heaven and those who are earth. So he's saying, man, I, I thank God for salvation. The people in the past, the people in the present, 
and the people in the future. Woo, I rejoice in the whole family. Not just a few, but the whole family. Keep reading. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, his unlimited resources, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Wow. Now that would be a good prayer. Did you know you could pray that? Father God, I thank you today that you strengthened me through your spirit in the inner man. Now was he saying here, man, I got all kinds of resources for you. But the one resource you really, 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 really need to get a hold of is the Holy Spirit. He'll begin to work on the inner man. He'll begin to change you from the inside out. Now, I want you to begin to see what all he deals with here. Verse 17. That Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. You know what he's telling us here? As people of God, you need to be rooted and grounded in love. They'll know you're my disciples by your love. Verse 18. That we may be able to comprehend with all the saints, all the family, and all the saints, what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height. The extravagant dimensions of God's love. With all the family. And again, he said that you be rooted and grounded in love. Verse 19. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. So it's interesting right here that when he gets over on this topic, he starts talking about the love of God. And when I look at that, that you be strengthened on the inside by the Spirit of God. So was he saying the only way you can truly love people is with the help of the Holy Spirit? I believe that's what he's telling us. And here's what's crazy about all that. He mentions the whole family, all the family. But you know the most segregated hour of the week in the United States is Sunday morning at 11 o'clock? Wow. That's the black church, that's the brown church, that's the white church, that's the yellow church. but the whole family of God. So what was he saying here? Maybe we just need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and letting birth love within us. Do you think that's how heaven's going to look? Hey, you made it to heaven, but there's the black church. I don't think so. Yet we come into the church and we sing, Love lifted me higher. We sing when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing it'll be. But we can't even do church together while we're here on earth. It's incredible that the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, the Celtics, the Lakers, the Cowboys, their lockers are more integrated than the church. But yet right here he says that we be rooted and grounded in love. And so you know what he's saying? If you got a problem, 
Maybe you ought to get baptized with the Holy Spirit, not baptized with lemon juice. Got a frown on your face. But have the love of God. And let me just say this to you. You got a problem with people of color? You really need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The whole family in heaven and earth is named. Now, here's what's going on. The Apostle Paul was a Jew. You know what he began to see? He began to see how the Jews treated the Gentiles, and it bothered him. And to a degree, he's saying, you need to be rooted and grounded in love. You need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit because you've got a problem with people. People that God created. And you say you're born again. Now, look how he ends this in verse 20. Now to him, Father God, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we could ask or think. How does he do that? According to the power that works in us. That's the Holy Spirit. He works within us. So for me and you to get to the more, for me and you to get to the exceedingly abundantly above what we could ask or think, I need the Holy Spirit. Well, and you know how that happens? Holy Spirit, come into my life. I receive you. I welcome your help. I welcome you on the inside. See, there's a lot of those verses today that I read. What would happen if we begin to pray those? What if we prayed at Romans 8, 13? What if we prayed Ephesians 3, 16? What if we prayed Ephesians 3.20? Listen to how Ephesians 3.16. Father God, I come before you today and, and, and I ask to be strengthened with might through your spirit in the inner man. I ask you today. See, it'd be nice in life that, that when you got married that you would know how to love your wife. How many of us do? But the Holy Spirit does. Husbands, you want to look like a genius? Just get filled with the Holy Spirit. And your wife will say, man, what closet did he come out of? It'd be nice when you have children if they came with an owner's manual around their neck. But they don't. But to be a great father or mother, what would happen if I say, Holy Spirit, I don't know what to do, but you do. I welcome your help today. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.